The author of the Gospel of Mark is famous for writing what we call Markin Sandwiches, where he starts to tell a story, and then before he finishes that, he starts to tell a second story. He finishes the second story, and then he comes back and finishes the first story. And today is the classic example of the Markin Sandwich. So what is the connection that Mark is trying to make between these two stories? We have the healing of this daughter of the synagogue official, and we have the healing of the woman with the hemorrhage. Well, obviously, they're both about healing, both about women. One is young, one is older. Well, there's also something about touch. Jairus says to Jesus, please come to my house and put your hands upon my daughter so she may get well. And the woman with the hemorrhage only wants to touch Jesus' clothing so that Jesus doesn't even know that she's touched him. And then we have the idea that Mark uses a lot about insiders and outsiders. Jairus is named, he is known, he is a synagogue official. The woman with the hemorrhage, by the law, would not have been allowed to go into the synagogue for the last 12 years. She's an outsider. But Jairus wants to get away from the crowd in the privacy of his home for the healing. And the woman feels that she's able to approach because Jesus is in a crowd. And then other people say it's about faith, because Jesus comments about both about their faith. And some people will say, well, Jairus doesn't have much faith, and the woman has great faith. Well, I don't know if the details really can make us see it that black and white. Because Jairus did go at the beginning of the day down to the seashore. Well, he was desperate. His daughter was at the point of dying. Well, maybe he didn't want to be seen by the crowds, but maybe not. We, we don't really know. But if you'll permit me, I would like to now propose a sandwich. I'll come over here to be clear. And talk about the second reading. From the second letter to the Corinthians. Well, that's what we call it. Scholars don't know how many letters Paul wrote to the Corinthians. Scholars say there were probably at least five, and that what we call the second letter to the Corinthians is probably a compilation of at least two of those five. There's at least two that were probably lost, and what we call the first letter might be the second letter. But anyway, the important thing is that this is a really challenging letter to read and try to make sense of because it's sort of all over the place. It refers to all kinds of things that we really don't know what the background is. But it's clear that the Corinthians were not too happy with Paul. And we know some of the reasons, but not all of them. But it seems like things are on the mend. But Paul is writing this letter to accomplish a lot of different things all at once. He's trying to patch things up. He's trying to get the Corinthians to see themselves in solidarity with other Christians in the Roman Empire, especially Macedonia and Jerusalem. And he's calling on them to be agents of reconciliation. A lot of our theology about reconciliation comes from this letter. And so even with that mishmash of things, he brings together some overarching themes that really address everything. And the one theme that's really picked up in the passage we have tonight is the idea that the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ compels us to live lives of generosity, gratitude, 
and interdependence. Interdependence. Something kind of strange to talk about Independence Day weekend, but interdependence. And I think we all know somebody who epitomizes all of three of those things, generosity, gratitude, and interdependence, and that would be Dr. Ruth Queen Smith. I think she's really pretty amazing, and it's been such a privilege to get to know her. And I asked her if I could share this story, but a couple, she said yes, and a couple days ago, um, she's been going through some real medical problems the last few weeks, and I said to her, you know, they say God doesn't give us more than we can handle, and it's sort of a shame that you're able to handle so much. And she said, no. She said, I disagree completely. She says, I believe that God gives us more than we can handle. So that we have to depend on other members of the community to handle what God gives us. Pretty powerful stuff. It's really stuck with me. So, interdependence. God giving us more than we can handle on our own so that we have to rely on others. So back to Mark, back to the first story. I think, the more I pray with this, I think that the story of the healing of the woman with the hemorrhage is essential to the story of the healing of Jairus' daughter. It's not that they're two separate stories. It is part of the same story. Picture Jairus. His daughter is dying, probably hours from death. And he is desperate. He goes down to see Jesus. He's trying to get Jesus to his house. And there's this crowd pressing on. And Jesus is being slowed down. And Jairus is probably like tugging him, trying to get him along. And, and just imagine, if that's all we have, that Jairus is trying to get Jesus to his house. Jesus does not get there in time because of the crowd. And the people come and say, your daughter has died. Do you think that Jairus would have reacted the same way as he did because he saw this miraculous healing of this woman with the hemorrhage? If that hadn't happened, do you think that Jairus would have lost hope completely? Do you think he would have believed Jesus when he said, do not be afraid, just have faith? It is the woman with the hemorrhage the ultimate outsider, the woman forbidden from even setting foot in the synagogue, who provides Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, with the gift that he needs, the ability to believe in the impossible. Jairus, probably the person in the village who had the most influence and prestige, this woman with the hemorrhage, among the least powerful in the village, and yet she provides for him interdependence. Or, as St. Paul would say, though Jesus Christ was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Your abundance at the present time should supply the needs for those who are burdened, so that their abundance may also supply your needs. This is the gospel we celebrate. 